Welcome to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. This is Luke Stampini here with Thomas Goldcamp. Thomas, breaking news out of Gainesville. Early enrollee freshman cornerback Chris Steele has entered the transfer portal. Just, just kind of walk us through this story as it began to build up and finally break. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, shooting this episode maybe a day or two earlier than we had intended. Um, but, you know, late last night, Wednesday night, we started getting some uh, some calls from people around the program asking, hey, what's going on with Chris Steele? What's going on with Chris Steele? Um, you know, I reached out to you and Blake, and uh, we were kind of kicking it around, trying to hit sources, figuring out what was going on. And it became very evident that there was something going on uh, and that basically Chris Steele was looking to transfer from the program. Um, since then, we've we've been able to contact some sources uh, within the 24-7 Sports Network on the West Coast. And essentially, this boiled down to um, Steele not being happy with some decisions that were made um, within the program regarding his relationship with Jalen Jones, uh, who obviously got tangled up in a whole other set of issues. Um, but essentially, Chris Steele had asked the Florida coaches within his first month on campus um, to change to change roommates, uh, that he wanted a new dorm. He was not comfortable living with Jalen Jones. And for whatever reason, the Florida staff, uh, that didn't happen right away. And so, um, you know, after, after some discussion, Steele made it clear that he was going to enter his name into the NCAA transfer portal, and here we are. Yeah, and, you know, it's the Jalen Jones issue. It seems like he kind of rubbed people the wrong way early on since he, he arrived. He was another early enrollee freshman. You you made comments about it. Um, now we get this story here with Chris Steele wanting to get out. I guess just dis- discuss that a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I think this is a, still a little bit of a surprise. Um, you know, it, like you said, it's not exactly news that – Jalen Jones wasn't the most liked teammate, I'll say. Um, you know, we, we had heard uh, well before this that, that, you know, guys like Chris Steele and Jaden Hill, uh, both of his roommates, were not the biggest fans of Jones uh, for whatever reason. Obviously, uh, most likely a personality issue where Jones rubbed them the wrong way. Um, but that's not that part of it is not a surprise that they didn't get along with him. I think it, where, where it's a little surprising and, and seemingly out of the blue is that Chris Steele um, – now is deciding to leave the program, even though Jalen Jones is already gone. Um, you know, so to me, that's the part that uh, is a little bit more surprising. But yeah, I mean, I, there was obviously some some personalities there that didn't quite mesh. Did we not see signs of this though during the recruiting process of Chris Steele? He was publicly committed to three different universities uh, throughout the process. There are rumors of silent commitments to other programs. Um, just the back and forth of his recruitment. Are, are we surprised that maybe he is bouncing so early at the maybe you know first time of adversity or whatever? I mean, you would probably be able to answer that question a little better than I could. Uh, to be honest with you, you probably have had a little bit more interaction with him uh, than I have. But to me, um, I, I actually would think that anytime you're recruiting a guy from across the country, you run a higher risk of something like this. You know, above and beyond just guys getting homesick. Um, I think, especially in this case, you have parents that aren't quite sure um, or, or aren't as close and maybe don't feel like they uh, are getting all the information that they need or, or they feel like they can't be there for their, their kid. Um, and I think this was obviously a situation where there were things there that the parents didn't like that were going on. And, and you know, when Chris Steele asks, uh, you know, to change his dorm room and that doesn't get done, well, all of a sudden you start to have all these question marks, you know, being 3,000 miles from home. And I think I think that more than anything can contribute to a situation like this 
Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we always talk about it in the recruiting process. The guys that you typically keep an eye on for these transfers are the ones that have committed to multiple different schools and been to different high schools, this and that. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'd be curious to get your insight from, from the recruiting standpoint, uh, on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, not surprised that a transfer, uh, happens with a prospect who committed to three universities throughout his process. He started with UCLA, he went to USC, uh, and then at the end flipped to uh, Florida. That's not surprising. Your point on being a player from California and his family's out there probably hits the nail on the head uh, more, though. Like, there are questions that would come up if you're a parent. Like, what's going on? I can't just hop in a car and drive a couple hours uh, to meet with the coach or meet with my son and, and figure out what's going on. Um, so the, the distance thing probably did play a little bit of a factor, as you said. Is that something that you think Florida should be concerned about moving forward? Because obviously the Gators have targeted a lot of a lot of guys from California in the last couple cycles. Yeah, I, me personally, I don't think Florida should uh, venture out to California for prospects, to be honest with you. Unless there is some kind of connection to the program, some kind of connection to the state of Florida, some kind of connection to the university, you know, unless it's like a, a quarterback, you know, a position that – those guys kind of go all over and you need one. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but for me, like, why can't you get a cornerback in the Southeast? You know what I'm saying? Like to avoid some of these issues uh, that you may have. And the other thing is, is if USC doesn't have the, the poor season that they had last year, Chris Steele's probably at USC right now, right? Like they yeah. opened the door. They lost Florida lost Chris Steele to USC uh, in a head-to-head -head recruiting battle, and it was the poor season that USC had that kind of opened the door once again for them to step in and, and make that flip. Well, and that's the other thing you mentioned. You know, I mean, I think it's a little different, like you said, if you have a guy that has ties uh, to the program, say a relative or something like that, or, you know, grew up in the state of Florida but moved out west, then I think if you've got a guy that's really solid in his commitment, you probably feel better about it than a guy that you're really fighting tooth and nail to win last minute. Um, so maybe there was maybe there was some, you know, foreshadowing. Maybe maybe we could have seen this coming. Um, but I, I do want to one point to me in this whole thing that I think needs to be addressed. And I'm not sure where exactly I stand on it, but it kind of brings into question a little bit uh, the recruiting process uh, for Florida right now. Um, you can speak to Jalen Jones in, in high school um, and maybe some of the potential red flags there. But for me, to to have lost your quarterback and essentially lost your top-rated recruit because of the quarterback in that class, to me, there's something in the evaluation process that you missed if you're Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators when it came to scouting Jalen Jones, no? Absolutely. And the, the thing with Jalen Jones, we heard early on, long before he even committed to Florida, um, there weren't a ton of quarterbacks in the 2019 class that Florida was high on. There's been a lot said and written about that 2019 quarterback class and just how it wasn't as elite uh, as past years. But what we were told about Jalen is that he would, good personality, he's going to attract other recruits. So if we can get him, he may not be a great passer right now. He's a great athlete. He could potentially move to another position. But the, the piece about being a, a good personality that will attract other recruits is what sticks with me after all that we've talked about and all that's gone down, um, that, that's not the case at all. You know, I, as a player, 
specifically, I, I get that Jalen kind of fits Dan Mullen's mold where he may not be as polished a passer, but he's an elite athlete and they he can make it work or he can coach him up. But, you know, was there – I think you've got a question. Was there something missed on the personality side there? Do you, I mean, do you have any concerns about what you're seeing from Florida and the recruiting standpoint overall? I mean, and if so, what what level are those concerns at for you? Sure. I mean, I think you're going to have some concerns when you look at it and you're in a conference with Alabama and Georgia and LSU. I think there's concerns when those guys are, you know, on your schedule every year or if you make it to Atlanta, you're probably going to have to play Bama and being able to overcome that. I'm not ready to to jump off board just yet. I still think it's better than what the last regime had. Uh, could it improve? Could Florida improve on the recruiting trial? I think so. I, I didn't like the West Coast push that they had last year because they sent out a bunch of offers. They brought in a lot of kids on visits from California. And, you know, there were good players in the state of Florida that were slipping away from Florida and going elsewhere that I thought they should have been prioritizing and, and giving more attention to and making them uh, more of a priority just because of that proximity to home. Uh, it's going to be tough when a USC gives a kid from California, from Los Angeles, the green light to commit, you know, like that they have pull out there. It's no different than if you went to Georgia and you're going head to head with the Georgia Bulldogs for a top recruit, you know, um, and you would like to think it's no different than when another out of state school comes to the state of Florida and, and tries to recruit versus Florida. You would think that the Gators have, the upper hand there. Uh, so I didn't like the West coast move that they did last year with all those offers and targeting there. Um, ultimately this 2020 recruiting cycle set up well for Florida because all of the in-state talent was kind of in those Gator friendly areas with Jacksonville, Orlando, Ocala, Tampa. Those are areas that Florida should clean up in. You know, it, mm-hmm. I think you're asking a lot of Florida to go down in Miami or South Florida and win a majority of the battles um, like it was in 2019. I think a lot of the, the top prospects were down South this year, 2020, it's a little bit further North. Um, you know, right now they're, they're not winning a ton of those battles. We've seen a couple kids slip away so far uh, moving forward. They just got to win those battles. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. Well, no, I, and I agree with you. And that's part of the reason I brought it up is I think that you can spend some of those those resources, some of the time that you spent, um, you know, recruiting that California area a little more heavily on Florida, and you know maybe they maybe it's a pitch problem, maybe they're not pitching things just quite right to land these guys. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the issue is there, but I I, I think we both agree that it can, it can be a little bit better at this point. Um, let's let's go, go back to the, let's go back to the team and and look at that cornerback spot mm-hmm. uh, with with Steele leaving. It was a huge position of need in the 2019 recruiting cycle. They needed to sign a, a deep number of players. They signed four. Now with Steele leaving, um, they're down to three cornerbacks that they they're bringing in. I, I guess kind of what's the depth like there? What's the position outlook at cornerback now? Well, I mean it's it's tricky again um you know florida's run into this issue at a couple positions in recruiting where um they have a bunch of guys all at once and then um you know you end up with two classes where you don't really have any you've seen that on the offensive line you're getting there at defensive tackle 
I think you can run that risk at cornerback uh, in some ways. You know, most people probably expect C.J. Henderson and maybe Marco Wilson to go pro after this year. So the need for signing so many cornerbacks in the last cycle was because you'd like to get one or two of those guys some real experience in 2019 before those guys leave. That way, when you know those guys potentially take off, you've got guys that have played some in the SEC and are ready to step in. And there's no question that Chris Steele was one of those guys they thought could do that. Um, you know, going into spring, he was a starter right away. Um, I, it just tells you what the coaching staff thought of at least his potential at the position. And so now you lose him. You've got Jaden Hill coming off a, a torn ACL. Not quite sure how he'll look. Um, you know, the numbers seem to be okay. You bring in Kyrie Elam, but that's one of the key pieces you're counting on as a guy that was probably ready to play day one as a freshman. And certainly you would think after a year would be ready to play as a sophomore. All of a sudden, you probably don't have him anymore. Um, you know, it, it really puts the onus on making sure you get another one of those ready-to-play guys in 2020, in my opinion. And it also puts the onus on Kyrie Elam has to hit, and he has to be ready to play. Right. Exactly. Uh, Kyrie Elam is uh, a four-star recruit set to enroll uh, at UF this this weekend, actually. He's going to make it in for Summer A. And, you know, he missed spring ball, something that Chris Steele was able to go through and you know, now he's got to be ready to play. Steele was going to be in that rotation. Kair was going to be able to battle and, and potentially be in that rotation. Now it looks like Kair is going to be in the rotation, at least if he comes in and handles his business. And, it, and it's definitely easier to contribute outside at those, like, you know, those skill position, cornerback type, uh, the further away you are from the ball kind of cliche. Um, but I'll say this. I mean, Chris Steele, for all that he brought to the table athletically, I didn't come away, like, super impressed by him in the spring. I thought he struggled. Now, granted, Florida has a really, really talented group of receivers, and he was really kind of thrown into the fire. Um, but I, I just, it's no guarantee that you get those contributions right away. And that's where not having a guy like Steele hurts is, is you lessen the amount of guys that you can count on. Usually, if you have four and some of them are really high caliber like Steele and like Kyer Elam, you're going to get one of them to hit. Now your odds are just a little bit lower, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Not everyone's Vernon Hargraves ready to come in and, and lock down. A Janoris Jenkins come in as true freshman. Um, sometimes there is a, 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 I guess, learning period there that they'll need. Um, all right, that sounds good. Uh, real quick podcast with the breaking news. Wanted to get get this out and, and kind of give our thoughts on the situation and, and the position moving forward. Give us five stars. Follow us. Give us likes. We'll be back for another podcast. Have a good one, guys.